Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of the Rethink Culture podcast, the podcast that shines a spotlight on business leaders who are creating intentional cultures, who see their employees not as resources to be managed and directed, but as people that need to be led and inspired. My name is Andreas Constantino, and I'm your host. I see myself as an accidental micromanager who turned servant leader, and over the years developed a personal passion for culture. And I'm also the founder of Rethink Culture, a company that aims to create 1 million healthier, more fulfilling work cultures. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Ron Lovett. Ron is a Canadian entrepreneur. He's host of the Scaling Culture podcast and author of two books, including Scaling Culture, and actually read his book and I was recommended to him. So I definitely had to invite him to the podcast. Ron started his business at 21, uh, which became a Halifax-based security guard company, which he grew to over 3,500 staff across Canada, and he sold it at a 24x multiple. And he's currently the CEO and, as he tells me, the chief community officer of Vida Living, whose purpose it is to revolutionize affordable communities across North America. He's also the father of three kids, and a huge foodie. He tra- he loves to cook and he travels to eat and cook. Uh, he recently came back from France and he was shortlisted in one of the uh, 12 cooks in uh, his area in MasterChef Canada. So uh, with all of that, very welcome to the Rethink Culture podcast, Ron. Thanks, Andreas. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. And thanks for the kind words. So where do we start? Um, when did culture become important to you? When do you start thinking about yeah. culture and, and become intentional about it? That's a really great question that I don't think I've been asked for a while. So, so um, you know, there, when I think back to the security company, that is that the, the, so we're in the physical guarding space, right? We would do physical guarding for hospitals, shopping centers, bodyguard work, and you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? And um, when I started that company, I believed that the transaction of me paying you as an employee would be enough for you to be thankful enough and right. and, and perform your work. And I think that as young entrepreneurs, we kind of think that, um, I certainly did. And then eventually you get to a place where the most stressful thing about your work is the people. You know, I always say like, it's the the soft stuff being the people side is the hard stuff. It's, you'll always find capital, you'll always find customers, but managing, getting the right employees, getting them working well together, enjoying that um, for the most part, enjoying uh, the ride with them and performing something and being aligned to do something together, that's very difficult. And there was nothing at that time that was helpful. I mean, that, that was early 2000s. And I would say that even when the word culture was was used back then, it was it was really used in this like oh, God, that's fluffy, like that's that's BS, you know. And my first aha moment of like I wonder if there's a different way was actually um, reading the book Nuts by Southwest Air. Mm. I don't know who wrote the book actually, but it was about Herb Keller who's passed away. And I just thought, wow, you know, there's always this moment, which I don't know if it was in my second book, but I'm reading this book. I was, I was um, coming back from Florida and, and, and flying through New York. And I had, I was at the end of the book and I just read Andreas about Herb Keller wrote uh, an email to their entire staff 
I think I, I can't remember the exact story. Delta or one of these um, mm -hmm. one of these airlines had dropped their pricing, and, and he wrote an email and he said, in a memo, he said, "We are at war. We all need to band together. We need to, to execute service like our customers have never seen. We are in the battlefield." And the next day, as the book says, people from the, the folks that uh, on the front lines checking customers in, pilots, folks putting the baggage on the plane, they came to, to, to work with war paint on. And I thought, you really, you know, I just thought, was that, I mean, that's incredible. I'm like, is that true? So I'm, you know, this is interesting. I was walking through, flying from, from uh, Florida back to Halifax. I'm in New York on a layover. I'd never flown Southwest Airlines. I couldn't put the book down, but I just finished this part. I had a, maybe two chapters left and I walked by a counter and there's a young man at the counter. And so I want to call BS. Is this real? Is my question, you know? Because sometimes I think there's fluff. I think sometimes you talk to mm -hmm. CEOs, you're like, really, you say this, but let's mm -hmm. let's look under the hood. What's really going on? Would your employees say that? And so anyway, I um I go to the counter and this gentleman's there and I go up to him. I've got the book behind my back. And I said, excuse me, I'd like to ask you a question. He says, yeah, what is it? I said, do you like the company you work for? And he looks at me confused. He said, what? I said, Southwest Airlines, do you like the company you work for. I press him and he says, sir, I don't know if you're looking for a job, but I can tell you this is the best goddamn company to work for on the planet. And I was like, I'm sold. I mean, we have, I just at that point thought they did it. And they, you know, I read this book, this guy, I don't even know if he read the book, but he loves his work and he's proud. And he's, you know, and I just thought, I don't have that. I need that. And so I had then aspired to change everything to do that. And I knew Andreas, we had an uphill battle, and 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 uh, it was going to be more more challenging, and and only because, you know, how many people were you at the time? Sorry, yeah, um, I'm I, I don't know, uh, probably was it early on? Yeah, or? there was six hundred, you know, something like that, and yeah. but, but so I knew we had an uphill battle because Southwest Airlines they would pay their employees much more than I could ever afford, right? You're talking security guards that make eleven dollars an hour. Yeah that don't meet mm. me. There's no manager at the airport or at this, you know, there, there's, mm. they work at our mm. customer space in a mall that you do a 12 hour shift and hand their keys mm. to someone else. And I just thought, we have a lot of work to do. You know, I believe this now and it, we are gonna have to figure this out. And so I was on a mission uh, to do that. And then started the, you know, you probably know some mm. of the stories, study companies like Starbucks and and they were our competitor after I read Francis Frey's uh, book, Yes. you know, uncommon service. I thought, you know, our competitor's not in the space. We have to be the best at customer mm -hmm. service and Starbucks is the competitor. Mm -hmm. And let's let's study them. And so I became very, you know, um, you know, very focused on culture. And that was a big aha moment for me. And a look in the mirror moment as a CEO that said, I'm not going to hire someone to do this. I need to do this. This is the way forward. And and that book was my, was a pivotal moment for me where I was, you know, I, I certainly was in a place to think I'm not enjoying it. And I can tell you that if you are a CEO or leader and you're saying that, and, and by the way, you're saying it consistently, I'm not enjoying this, draining my energy. You need to look at your leadership. You need to look at your company. It's, it's in your control. Um, and so it was a big, uh, a big look in the mirror moment. And what was the arc from that moment to you writing a book on culture? Well, I mean, because you were heavily invested yeah. when you wrote the book, right? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. So, so I, you know, and, and we talked before we started. So my first book, Outrageous Empowerment, 
The first book I wanted to, there was two things. One, I love stories, right? I love a good story. I love, you know, Phil, uh, Phil Knight's Shoe Dog, love it. Uh, mm -hmm, I talk mm -hmm, about, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. there's just so many business storybooks that people were writing at the end of the journey or close to the end. And I thought, you know, why wouldn't I, that, you know, as you know, life comes in chapters. And why not write about oh, a yeah. chapter that to me was a very impactful, it had a start, a starting a company and an end. I sold that business, I was 36 years old and I had my first child. And I'd learned so much. This was not an arc. This was a roller coaster up and down. And I thought, you know, <laughs> the the book um, was meant to tell that story. And it was meant to tell people, look, you absolutely, if I could do this in private security, you you can do this. It, it certainly lacked the how, which is the second book, which is uh, that you read, Scaling Culture, uh, which is the follow-up book. But this story was just to be like, it's not easy. I fell on my face and fell again and fell again and learned and adjusted and learned. And then finally, we caught some momentum and things were different. These security guards, they were what I call passionate stakeholders. They didn't have equity in the company. They had a stake. They had a voice. They had a stake. And that was a very different business. And people said, you couldn't do it with security guards. Well, we did it. Mm. Um, quick digression. Um, I had um, someone in the podcast a few episodes ago talk about turning a waste management business into a service first business. Um, and he started in waste management because it was a business that was in dire need of a service first attitude. And, um, but I mean, it goes without saying, I think any business can have a service first attitude. Absolutely. My, my question is how, how did you start turning around hmm. this probably culture by default into a culture by design? Yeah, so so that is it's interesting because that moment, and I see this in leaders and entrepreneurs, when they start to be like, oh, something needs to happen now. And then when they start to go to the other side, I'll call it, uh, a different type of leadership to believe and lean into culture, it's pain. It's pain because what happens, and I took I wrote about this in my first book. I don't know about the second, but I had to start from scratch. I had to rebuild the company with individuals that were aligned mm -hmm. with that vision. And so the entire leadership team had to go. Now, this wow. is what I'm talking about, Andreas, is most people don't have that type of courage. They stop in their tracks and they try to find some balance. Let's bring on some yeah. new fresh people with the old people that don't align and, you know, and like, and you know, Michelle's been here too long and so is Marty and yeah, we can't lose yeah, them and they, yeah, yeah. and they don't, they can't do it. And they retreat and they retreat. And I didn't retreat, I kept moving and it was painful, but look, it's it's worked out. I mean, our culture today, I believe at Vita is world-class. We just had our leadership meeting and I said, I don't know a company and I'm competitive that beats us in culture. I don't know anybody. And uh, you know, we have to, it, it doesn't mean that we're at the pinnacle, we have to keep um, building and uh, growing our culture and updating and upgrading, but, but we have a fantastic world-class culture. How do you measure or how do you sense yeah. the sentiment or the engagement or the, <clears throat> you know, the gut feeling people have when they walk yeah. into work on a Monday morning? Like, Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
I mean, we do a few things. One, one, I just think you can you can test the, you you can feel the energy. Um, but every week, we do a uh, a shout out on it. We do have a daily huddle. Some people might be familiar with that. So on Fridays, we do a values call out, and you would attach something significant, you know, your high of the weekends and, 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 you know, your shadow to a colleague based on a value. And that really get, I mean, it's the most energetic call mm -hmm. we have. And so it's every Friday, everyone's like, mm -hmm. nobody misses that huddle. Everyone's there. Everyone's like, you know, uh, is so excited to praise their, their, um, their coworkers and hoping they get a little praise and hope that their work, you know, was uh, fruitful for the week. And then, you know, it's interesting when we were talking earlier, I pulled out a, um, a sheet. So we would do a much deeper dive. We would call it like a Viva Vita vibe check. It's it's a, mm -hmm. our name for survey. And I'll share some of the questions. So our, our last few surveys, we thought, look, let's practice what we preach. Let's ask some questions that we might be scared to get the answer to. And I think that's important. These questions, by the way, and I'll read a few to you. If I have if I had asked these questions when I started my culture journey. I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> You'd be on the floor. A hundred percent, right? Now, uh, I feel very uh, confident. So, you know, here's a few questions. Do you mind if I flip through of a course. few? Because yeah. I think they're great. I'm proud that we asked these questions. Uh, so my work at Vita is meaningful. And by the way, you might have some mm -hmm. of these questions in, in your mm -hmm. survey. I'm proud to tell others I work at Vita. I feel that the leadership team at Vita cares about my well-being. Working at Vita has added significant value to my life. That's a big question. Mm -hmm. Working at Vita has been beneficial to my mental health. Try asking that question. Mm -hmm. I think a lot mm -hmm. of leaders mm -hmm. wouldn't do mm -hmm. it. Working at Vita has been beneficial to my physical health. Mm -hmm. I feel connected to my colleagues. Um, Working at Vita has allowed me to give significant value to my family life, and I can see myself here in two years. Those are our kind of baseline mm -hmm, questions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, I'm very proud that, you know, our lowest score on this was, uh, the one I'm looking at was four on mental health. That was our lowest score, four out of five. Uh, and so we're scoring quite high. And then we would sit, you know, our process is very transparent. We get our entire group together. We go through the score and we say, hey, four, it doesn't matter that it was a four to five and some some people might praise that. It's our lowest score. Let's talk about what we can do to move the needle. Mm -hmm. Let's collaborate mm -hmm. around that. Mm -hmm. So, because we know, and I'm sure you know this with your, your new businesses, it's what you, you know, the biggest thing you can do as, from a failure standpoint is, it's not to ask the questions, it's to do nothing with the answers. I mean, that is just the worst. Yes. And so it's that open town hall, open, transparent discussion about the data and about a collective discussion about what you can do about that. And then a follow-up with, thanks, that was great. Here's what we're doing and let's check it again. Mm -hmm. And it's an important flywheel. I'll go to Jim Collins' flywheel. You need to have that same type of thing with the data and execution. So, yes. you know, we're really proud. Um, I, I And, you know, I've never heard anybody ask those questions before, uh, those specific ones. And so we really want to get to the meat and say, look, if we're saying we're world-class, we damn well better be world-class. And so uh, it's good. We're, we're feeling uh, very proud. I remember one of Arnie Malham's um, uh, practices is to have every single employee comment reply to publicly, <clears throat> at least yes. within the company. And <clears throat> I think it's in his book, if not, I heard it from him, but he says that you should not read these comments on your own. 
you should definitely have someone sitting next to you because some of them are pretty, you know, difficult to digest, especially at the beginning when he started changing his culture. But that's right. That, yeah, that's that's probably the kind of most extreme you can get in being super uh, transparent with everything because, you know, people can be very vocal and opinionated. And you're right. And Arnie, you know, I can tell you that if Arnie was to build a new business today, he wouldn't go through that same, you know, that that mm. that same cliff of of those types of comments, it would just be different. He would be aligned from the beginning, know who he's mm. screening for for alignment, yeah. know yeah. how to manage yeah. better. We all yeah. go through yeah. that. I don't go yeah. through that anymore either, you know. And so yeah. it's it's yeah. um yeah. it doesn't mean look, no one's perfect. There's people that have bad uh, experiences still at my company today, and then you say, what's going on? Is it mm. a misalignment? Um, let's get to it and let's and it, fix it. It's, let's fix it. And sometimes that fixes this is just not your home, you know. I've been. I've been using this analogy lately. We, we're, we're kind of on a rebuild on our finance and admin team. We've scaled mm -hmm. so quickly. We, we just blew out the team that we had. Uh, and I've been saying that, you know, there's there's two types of companies. I got this from a friend of mine, Wayne Crowley. He used this analogy. You know, Vita is a pirate ship. And then some companies, huge companies, are Navy ships. And it should sometimes recruit a Navy member to get on the pirate ship. That is just doesn't mm. work. It's very challenging um, to have someone come from the Navy and get on the pirate ship where you're just trying to figure it out and you're moving all the time, the wind's changing and you don't know what direction you're going. And, and so, um, you, you, that's also the, those are different cultures, a Navy ship and a pirate yes. ship. Yes, right. Totally. And so you, yeah. you, you know, it's nice. We, um, Jody, um, Tanner, who's one of our partners in the business and leads our people and culture, um, we were going through a set of interviews not too long ago and and i was talking to an individual and and i i, I we, we try to in some cases talk someone out of the job say this is really what it is and and it's either going to draw you in or deflect you and arnie talks mm -hmm. about that and um she was excited on the call and i said great well you think about what we're this discussion for 24 hours and let's circle back she called jody and said not for me perfect perfect because if we didn't find it now we're going to find it at some point and so your job is to, once you get your culture set, it should be divisive. It should be attract or detract. And that's okay. You have to be okay with that. I think that's also a moment, Andreas, that, that even for me was like, ah, some people don't want to be here. Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's okay. Keep moving. doesn't mean you don't need adjustments and you can't yeah. do better, but you, you know what I mean. And something else I read in, in these thoughts is approach a misfit with love and not fear so we're in this together but our needs might be different or this might not be the right company for you or you might your skills might not be used as yep. well as they could be here or you know but <clears throat> love rather than um any pressure or any fear or any threats or any intimidation any you know i mean it's so much easier. Andres, you, you, you are absolutely right. And I've been in business now. I'm 44. I've been in business for 23 years. I've never in my life, knock on wood, I've never had a lawyer send someone a letter on my behalf. I have yeah. never had someone from HR when I'm dealing yeah. with it. That, that, that's yeah. just a cop out. Yeah. I've never received a, a letter from a lawyer. I've never had someone yeah. sue me. Yeah. For wrongful dismissal. I mean, I, I hear about this stuff all the time. I've never had it, and I've and I yeah. can tell you, I've had some sticky situations, and I'm always mm. 
honest. And I always do it with love and, mm. and an authenticity that, you know, to your point, I've had lots of people that don't work out and I talk about that. I would say, Andreas, look, let's get you in here, but let's know, let's talk about that breakup today. So you know what will happen. One, we'll never pull the rug from under you. We'll have a discussion where this isn't working and mm. we'll have an open discussion about that. But because we brought you in, we'll help you out. And what I mean by that is I will work my contacts to help find you the right home. And when you know that, you feel pretty darn good. You know, I, 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 um, we had a guy who was our COO not too long ago and, you know, uh, he knew I would help mm. him find a home and, and be there for him and use contacts mm. and be a reference. And he just found a fantastic job and we're high-fiving and I'm still support supporting him on that human being's journey, whether it's in my company or outside. I've had, you know, I mentioned Jody before, she left my company and, and came back. I talk about that story in my first book and mm. everyone said, how could you take her back? Mm. I would, would struggle be, with that. That would be my ego. Because she left to 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 um, you know broaden her wings and try something new. Why why would I take that personally? That someone wanted to try something a little different, and then said it wasn't for me, and came back and said she was a fantastic employee. Went to try something different, and came back and said it wasn't for me. I want to come home, and no problem. I, I think that would be a big mistake if my ego said nope. You're going to learn your lesson. You left. So I don't, I just don't look at it like that. I think it requires either permissiveness or courage. And right. I think in your case, it's courage. Could be, because I don't even know what permissiveness, I can't even say the word, I'm dyslexic. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go with courage. <laughs> um, Ron, one other thing, actually, there's lots of things I wanted to ask you about your book, because you have some great stories and not just stories, but how-tos building in building great culture. So yeah. one of the, phrases or words I liked is instimacy, mm -hmm. which is instantly building trust and connection. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I just think everything starts with trust, right? And, and you know, I always tell the story, you probably read about in the book, where um, I had hired my first COO and we had built this new office and he came to me and and, you know, I hired him because I need, I was mid twenties. He was 60, mm -hmm. worked for Coca-Cola. I was like, I need someone mm -hmm. who, and he's a fantastic guy, by the way. Um, very old, kind of old school, I'll call it old school leader, but a, a good leader. And um, he came to me one day as I was building this office. And he said, Ron, you know, uh, I hope you don't mind. I'd like this quote approved for $365 to put a window in my office. These are all solid doors. And I think it sends the wrong message. And I'm like, Mm. one door with a window in it. I'm like, fine, this guy knows what he's doing. I prove the thing. So he does, he's got the window. I used to have a sign above my door and I'm, I'm late twenties. And by the way, back then I had three cell phones, Vancouver, Halifax, Toronto, rang 24 seven office <laughs> going 24 seven. I mean, this was me, right? It was my problem, but I didn't know that at the time. You don't know what you don't know. You just think it's everybody else. And so, yes, and your exactly. company and it's all BS. And so anyway, so uh, he comes to me, 30 days later, he says, look, Ron, I, I, you know, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you have a sign outside your door and it says, please do not disturb when this door is closed. I think it sends the wrong message. I think it, it's counterproductive to what we're trying to do. I know culture is important to you and I just don't, I don't think that's landing well. Can you take that down? I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I take it down. I'm 30, 60 days later, he comes in. He's fuming, Andreas. He can't believe what's going on. And I said, what's going on? He said, I, I, I don't. I don't know what's happening here. He said, I have a window 
in my door, and my door's mostly open. You had a sign on your door that said, do not disturb, and your door's closed. But yet when someone has an issue, when they really need to talk something through, they come and see you. I don't get it. And I said, this is it. The window has nothing to do with it. The mm. sign is not to do with it. It is because Dave, when someone joins this company, I spend time with them. I take them out for right. coffee and I ask them, I, I don't have what, what I call home court advantage. Come to my desk and sit on the other side and be intimidated. That, that, that's not what I'm talking about. That doesn't create that intimacy. You know, it is, where would you like to go? Hey, Andres, I'd like to take you for coffee. What's your favorite lunch spot, your favorite coffee spot that you're comfortable? We go there and the conversation starts. And I will say, how was your weekend? And you'll say, oh, it was great. It was great, sir. How was yours? And I was like, you know, not great. You know, my, my daughter was sick. Uh, she wasn't feeling well. I was mm. up all night. Really mm. stressed me out. I'm new using feelings. I was excited. I was stressed. This isn't drama. It's not oversharing. I'm just telling you that I'm human. I was stressed. I was worried about her. And they're like, oh, oh, this is a, this is a real conversation. Like, you, okay. And, and then they'll say, yeah, you know, it's interesting. My uncle wasn't feeling well and also had COVID or whatever we're talking about. And on the waterline, you know, John Ferguson is one of our advisors at NASCAR. He, he, beautiful language. He, he says, bring the waterline down. And that's what you do. You bring the waterline down to have an open discussion. And that's where the connection starts. It's absolutely where it starts. And so, you know, we work on that. It's very important. You have to be very intentional about that connection. It should be in your calendar. You need to be intentional about checking in with people. And as a leader, you should be spending a lot of your time doing that. I recently tried another technique for creating intimacy in a group, uh, which we use a lot in EO, in entrepreneurs organization called Lifelines. Yeah. So I had a group of uh, presidents uh, from different chapters who really hadn't met, um, knew very little about each other. And we practiced Lifelines over an hour, an hour and a half, and that involved everyone spending five to seven minutes going through two highs and two lows in their life. Um, no preparation, just, you know, whatever you have, a top of mind. Um, and afterwards, one of the presidents said, this was one of the deepest sharings I've had in three years. And that was a group of people he never had met before. So it's, it's a power tool, you know. So whether it is spending time face-to-face -face with a person or using lifelines or something else, this connection, this human connection, it's difficult to measure, but it's, it, it's where, where everything starts. Trust, right. commitment, results, teamwork, everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to go into one of the other things that I learned from your book, which is punishments. Mm, yeah. Um, which is, uh, I think, fun punishments, right? That's so it. I, I want to ask you, talk about when to use them and when not to. Mm. So please tell us more. Yeah, so this is, this is just an idea that we came up with ages ago when I had the security company, which is, look, the command and control environment is like, you know, it's it's the carrot of the stick. If you do this, we give you a bonus. If you don't, you, you're going to be fired, you know. Um, and we thought, look, it's important. Performance is important. We want people to show up. 
and do their best. And so we, we, we came up with this concept called the punishment, which is you would commit to your punishment. And so we'd say, okay, you're a salesperson, Andreas. And we'd say, okay, there's five salespeople and their sales goals to make a hundred thousand in revenue over the next yeah. quarter. And we'd say, okay, is that what you're committing to? Okay. So you're buying into the process, change management, very yeah. important. Yeah. I'm not yeah. telling you what you have to do. Let's yeah. make sure. And if it's wrong, we can debate that, but let's say we all agree to a hundred. And I'd say, okay, what are you putting on the table? If, 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 if you don't hit your goal, let's have fun here. Let's do a punishment where something that would make you uncomfortable. Is it that you have to lip sync in front of the group that you have to, you know, donate a thousand dollars to Donald Trump's, uh, you know, uh, campaign? What is, what's going to make you uncomfortable and let's get, let's have some fun with this. And so <laughs> this, it also shows you behind the scenes. Like, I don't want to do a lip sync. I'm very uncomfortable. I want to sing. I don't want to dance. Like, you know, and so you can kind of have some fun. You get to know someone better and, um, you know, you can really have some fun with this. And so, you know, I think that the process is important. Someone has to buy into this, say, okay, yeah, I don't want to do this. And, but yeah. I can tell you that people step up their game when they commit to some type of punishment, a fun punishment that uh, they don't want to do. I certainly do too. I make commitments, very fun and uh, uh, uncomfortable things that are kind of fun. We can laugh at, and it just takes the, it brings that waterline down again, right? It kind of says, okay, let's have some fun with this, you know? Uh, and I think that there is, you know, I, I, I think people just take themselves too seriously and I'm, I'm changing directions a little bit here, but you know, and a lot of people and leaders know the exercise start, stop, continue, right? Mm -hmm. You get to a group of people that know each other, have been working with each other and you say, look, let's get together. What should you start doing? What should you stop doing? What should you continue to do? We just did this with our, uh, some of our key leaders, uh, on Wednesday of this week. And I start off and I say, okay, I've got the tissue. Let's go give it to me. What do you got? You know, I'm just bringing the water line down and people are laughing and because they know it's going to mm -hmm. be uncomfortable. And I'm going first as the leader. I talk about that in my book and how to build trust. Big moments, you go first. And, um, you know, so the punishment is, is the same type of thing. I would bring my own punishment, my own commitment first mm -hmm. uh, when I use that process. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a fantastic tool. I remember uh, one of our facilitators um, at the GLC uh, Global Leadership Conference uh, Accelerator Track, I think it was Elliot Jacobs, and he said anyone who's late uh, after the doors close, and he, he was like literally five, four, three, two, one, like holding the doorknob and counting the seconds until the doors close and, you know, whoever's late is is is... Um, therefore a punishment. So he says, whoever's late has to stand up and sing their national anthem. Right. <laughs> yeah. And if you're very late, you have to also dance while doing that. Ooh, so <laughs> bad. I would never choose that. That's yeah. a bad one. <laughs> yeah, right. It's so, just having fun. And, and, you know, we don't have to take ourselves and the company so seriously. Let's just take the water temperature down. Yeah. Why, why can't we, ha why can't that be a fun story when someone just missed the mark a little bit? It should be a fun story. Oh yeah, Ron had to get out and do this thing. It was fun. And look, let's not take ourselves too seriously. And at the end of the day, when we're vulnerable, when we are in that case, silly and, and fun and just ourselves, or the child part of ourselves, we connect. We connect so much more deeply as humans. Like, uh, I think it was Socrates, maybe, who said that you learn more from uh, an hour of watching someone play rather than from 
a day of discussions, something along these lines. Yeah, I so, believe that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, back to vulnerability, and I think this came up a lot during the pandemic. And I always say that, you know, in the, in the old, I'm going to say old days, geez, when I, even when I started when, in my early 20s, vulnerability equaled weakness in my head. Oh, yeah. Today, vulnerability equals bravery, right? And connectivity. And so I do talk about that. When should you go first and when you, should you go last? And as a leader, and it's very important, you know, when you have really uh, troubling news, you should go first. When you're uncertain, you should go first. Uh, when you need to open up and talk to the company about some challenges that the company's had, you should go first. Um, when you're collaborating with your team, when you're getting ideas, you should go last. When you're having a discussion, you should go last. You know, there's times to go first and there's times to go last. But when you're being vulnerable, you go first. And if there's a vulnerable component, in a lot of cases, you should go first as the leader. It's a very good framework when you should go first and last. And these are very conscious decisions to be made by a leader and that's what you expect of a leader to be there when they need to protect the team and show the way and show the confidence and the conviction and the anticipation of the challenges and 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 at the same time be the last to you know be the the guy with a shiny new idea no thank you i mean we have plenty of those so leader needs to speak last yeah absolutely you got it absolutely yeah um Moving on to something else, Ron, one of the most inspiring moments in a book for me recently was reading Seth Godin's book, uh, Song, of, Song of Significance, where he talks about essentially the need for conscious leadership. And he, he asks a question at the very beginning, which is, what would it take to build a company that is someone's best job ever? And to me, that's an intellectual question that is actually something very tangible. So if, and, and, and I, I, I set that challenge for myself. I said, for my new business, I want to create an environment that is at least for someone their best job ever. And so my question to you is, if you were to create a new business, I mean, you created Vida recently, um, but how would you go about saying, what are the, like, Three things or one thing that need to be in place. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one, I, I completely, I haven't read the book. It sounds like a great book. I'll order it. Uh, and I and would completely agree and completely doing that. Like, you know, I felt, and I will answer your question, but I felt my past business because it was price sensitive. We had to bid contracts, mm -hmm. which we had to pay humans a lower amount to get the contract. Mm -hmm. I had handcuffs on and I thought mm -hmm. not round two, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build the best damn culture on the planet and build a global brand and scale this thing significantly. And so, so to start a company, to do the things that you read about or sort of that we spoke about that Arnie went through, I just thought, I'm not going to open the doors until I have my purpose baked in, revolutionize affordable communities, my values. I'm going to go back. I'm going to upgrade my values from where they used to be. Let's push the boundaries on these values and upgrade those and know that those are the values day one before I open the doors, right? Most companies, I, I had never had the opportunity to do that. 
and most don't. I did it on year 11 and it was, it was horrible, it was painful. Ernie, it was painful for him too. And so uh, BHAG, 10,000 units by 2027. I mean, these are big, the, these are foundational pieces. And, and then last is, I really, um, I love Jim Collins' flywheel because all these are huge, pie in the sky, and then you have that flywheel. What do you do that's gonna do the next thing that connects the next thing that creates a domino effect? And you have this flywheel turning in your business. That's for me to balance and have focus in the business. And so those are the kind of four things that we built before opening the doors. And it is a game changer, game changer, right? And when it comes to people who are not intentional yet about their culture, what would you say they have to rethink? Yeah, so when you say intentional, that are just, they have a culture by default. That they have talk. a culture by default, yeah. Yeah, right? So, you know, I think that, um, let me use maybe strong language. If you don't believe, well, let me go to a quote for a sec. You're on one or you're on one side of this quote or the other. If you're listening, you're on one or, or, or the other side of this quote. And the quote is, none of us will build great companies. We will lead incredible people who will build great companies. You either agree with that or you don't. If you don't, you are in a culture, you, you might actually be designing a big command and control culture where you are the big dog and you make all the decisions. So you actually might be in the design phase. You might, but I wouldn't agree with that type of design or you're in default or you're designing the other culture and the other side saying, yeah, I need to build this environment where these people love to work here. They are a passionate stakeholder. They enjoy it. It permeates into their family life, their community. You know, and so it's a choice. It's a conscious choice, right? And so my suggestion is, if you are on one side saying, okay, I agree, I'm going to just lead people, they're building the business. I'm just leading them to do that. Then you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, what is the delta between where we are and where we're going? And usually, by the way, the and this is high, high level, but but gives context to it. It's building your values, screening for those values, making sure, because, and I talk about this in my book, I went through the process of, you know, building our values out, but not screening for them. Then you'd show up, Andreas, and mm. we'd be completely disconnected. I'm like, why, why, why did I do this? You know, back to my earlier story, someone left in, in today, they'll leave in a conversation before they show up in, in the mm -hmm. second interview, knowing this culture is not for me. It's fantastic. Before it was come in here and let me shove our culture down your throat. Doesn't work. No. that you're rolling the dice, right? So it's build your values, screen for the values, praise or coach. Someone aligned, mm -hmm. behaves in a way that really aligns with mm -hmm. something internally or externally with the customer. Stop, everybody, Andreas did this thing, fantastic. This is a new standard, let's go. Or Andreas, yesterday, let's have a private conversation. Mm -hmm. And the values allow this coaching tool that we didn't have before because it used to be, I don't like how what you did yesterday. To today is our values of relentless improvement. Tell me how what you did yesterday would align with that. Walk me through that. And nice. so this this creates it's not me or you. It's us aligning with the values of a company, right? And uh, if you do that, you will build and sustain your values throughout the organization. So it's create values. Oh, I, I did miss a part. Uh, screen for the values, onboard 
which I missed originally, onboard, make sure they do understand the values, the mm -hmm. stories, what has worked, mm -hmm. what hasn't worked, where they participate in those values, and then coaching and praising based on values. Mm -hmm. And that, and then, it, so it's actually that simple, right? Let's think about that. It's There's some work to be done in those steps. Well, I don't have an onboarding, I don't have values. Great, well, get to it. Take my book, Outrageous Empowerment, read our values and rinse and repeat and steal what you want. It's It's who you want to be in the future, not who you are today. A couple of thoughts on that. Firstly, uh, I think your book has a very thoughtful and comprehensive section on coaching. Um, it's it's short and sweet, and I think it covers a lot of ground on what you need to be a good coach. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, I think the um, peer accountability, which I've really learned through EO, is such a powerful tool so to the example you mentioned before, instead of saying to someone, well, I didn't like your behavior, you say, well, how does your behavior relate to the values of the company that we've all committed to? That is an accountability story. Like we built this company, you joined this company, knowing that these are the values and we all agreed to them. So the, the story of accountability is so much more powerful because you refer or both people refer with love, not fear, to a common agreement. And they just hold each other accountable to that common agreement. And, and then it's not, there's, there's, there's no discussion about why or how, but it is, okay, let's stick to what we agreed or let's part ways. Right. And I've, I have, um, Presidents in my uh, region, so this year I'm area director in, in Europe in EO, and I have presidents saying, you know, how can I get my board, which is a board of volunteers, you know, entrepreneurs, volunteers, uh, to do this or to do that? And I say, you know, you start with a joint agreement. What do we want our rhythms to be or our habits or how often do we want to show up? How often do we want to meet together physically, virtually, whatever? And once we agree these um, norms, then we just hold each other accountable and there's no conflict. Well, and the other part I would add is let's agree now to what happens if we don't, whether it's a exactly. punishment or we're going to part exactly. ways. Or let's, exactly. like, let's, let's just talk about that. Let's say exactly. we can't get there. No problem. Yeah. Like, let's get through yeah. it now. And the, you, you, yeah. you also bring that water line down to say, yeah. it's there's no pressure. We've yeah. talked today yeah. about if this doesn't work out, and what, how am I going to show up? So you, if it doesn't, if, if, if you can't commit, you're making a choice to, to find a new home, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that's okay, by the way, let me help you find it. And here's how I can show up for you in that process. Mm. And it puts a nice bow on it. So Ron, um, as we uh, prepare to close, what would be something you'd recommend for listeners, like a book or something you watched or read recently? Um, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm watching a lot of Ray Dalio and principles and that mm. his book is fantastic. It's, it's like a Bible to me. I just really slowly reading it, taking my time. I, I love it. Uh, love Jim Collins B 2.0. Uh, the update of that book is fantastic. Uh -huh. Those are probably the two latest kind of culture work. I'm also reaching, reading an HBR, um, talent book. Uh, it's, I think some of the best, um, articles on talent. I'm into that book right now. And there's some really interesting uh, 
thoughts and process in there. So I'm always, you know, I like when I when I get uncomfortable. It's like, okay, I haven't thought about that. Okay, I need to think about that. I'm getting uncomfortable, and that's um, that um, that's always a good sign. So those books, but I would call some of that stuff very advanced, you know. And I, and I have to just caution um, people that are listening. You know, it's a, it's a process. You can't skip the line. And what I mean by that is, and be cautious to to move too far ahead in this in this process. It's one step at a time. It's create the values first. See who who's lighting up on this and who's not. You know, and yeah. because you know, and I have unlimited vacation, mandatory life days. I mean, it's very unorthodox. And but we started by pulling straws and who was getting a half day off. Like that's where it started, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes I forget. And I know that sometimes my messages will alienate some people, and it's either that will never work in my industry. Our people would never be in, in, you know, interested in that. And look, I'm not suggesting you do what I do, but you should find your own way of bringing out the best in people. Because right. you know, I, I can tell you that Ron Lovett 2.0, as a different leader, you know, I believe in two things today that maybe I didn't before. Um, I, I went back to the transactional, um, you know, approach of I pay you and for that I mm -hmm. should get performance and you should be happy and you should be, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that's all BS. Today, I believe that, look, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you have a beautiful experience working with me and we will do what we can to impact and add value to you, your life balance, your mental health, your physical health, everything we can. We'll push you, you're learning. But for that, we do expect you to perform very well here. This is not a country club. It's a high performing environment. It's mm. gonna be uncomfortable. We are gonna push you sometimes. Like I did with a trainer this morning. I'm not getting results when I'm not pushing and grunting and forget it, right? So that's one, um, which I think is, is, is really important. And the second um, thing is, I also look at people as the whole individual and these messages are connected. So it's not just Andreas, the CEO or the CFO or the mm -hmm. project manager. It's in Andreas, the individual who has other things going on. He has children. He has his own struggles with his own family. And we used to really draw a line and say, whatever you do at home is not my business. Mm -hmm. Now it's my business. And how can I help you? And how do I help you and your family? And what are you looking for your life in the future? And how do I connect that here with the job opportunity? And if that, and by the way, if these things run out, that's okay too. And having just open discussions. So it's the whole human being versus the transaction of Andreas, the employee, you know? I think we have to look beyond that. And so that, that um, yeah, that's certainly a shift in how I look and, and, and in my leadership style. And it's also the shift from HR to culture, right? That's right. Yeah, we we're don't still have anybody using, in HR. We, 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 we still use HR for all the events, I think. Um, well, you know, let me talk about culture. HR. I was just going to say HR, I'm trying not to swear here. Um, it's just, a, it's an excuse. Oh, that's just HR. This is HR. Everyone needs to be in HR. If, you, if you're a people leader, you have high influence in your organization. You better have the the HR practices, if that's what you want to call it, of leadership and treating people well and coaching. This isn't like go to HR for all that stuff and the culture stuff's at HR. I mean, some people just still get that wrong. Everybody's involved in the culture. Everybody has an impact. If you lead people, you have bigger influence, bigger impact, which equals bigger risk or reward in your organization. It rewards you very well, or is there's huge risk to a negative impact of a, of a leader that is misaligned with your culture? You should think about that. 
Ron, um, there's so much more we could talk about, but I know you're limited for time. Um, and I want to keep it as well punchy to 45 minutes or so, which is where we're at. So Beautiful. thank you for sharing your uh, stories from your, from your book and from your life, from your work. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. Do hit the, the subscribe button so you don't miss the next few episodes. And don't forget to tell us what you think by emailing rethink at rethinkculture.co. And do keep leading. Thanks, Andres. Great podcast, great discussion, and keep getting these messages out there. You too, Ron. Cheers. Cheers.